Welcome. This is ActiveSpirituality.life with astrology and a guided meditation activation. It's run by Pamela Cuchinell, that's me, the astrologer, and Susie Mazzoli, Master Healer. We invite you to find out more about our individual work. Susie Mazzoli, susiemazzoli-healer.com or insightoasis.com for astrology. You can also find both of us at activespirituality.life and we look forward to your joining us every week. Please share with your friends. Here we go. Welcome everyone. I know that you are looking forward to this one special hour with our wonderful Pamela Cuchinel. Every year, Pam provides for us an overview of the year ahead. And many of you have been writing to us saying, when's it coming? When's it coming? Because I know that you really, really appreciate it. So Pam, from all of us, thank you so much for all of the wisdom and advice that you share with us every year and, of course, every week uh, with our weekly program. And I know that this uh, is the year in the Chinese New Year of the Water Rabbit. And I have heard that the rabbit is the luckiest of all the animals. So I hope that comes out in the forecast a little bit for us. Um, as we look out into the world, as we look out politically, economically, and what I look at the very, very most all the time is climate, you know, I, I'm not seeing all of that luckiness. But I hope that that luckiness is deep inside all of us and that that is that spiritual part of us that is stable and strong and and is able to bring goodness to this year. So, Pam, please let us know what is ahead for us this year of 2023. And for those of you that are new to us, we are Pamela Cuccinelli and Susie Mazzoli. We are activespirituality.life. And we're always available um, privately for consultations, for healing work and astrological work. So please reach out to us. And, of course, if you enjoy our program, please make a donation and help us keep it going. Okay, Pam, 2023, off we go. <laughs> off we go, yes. We're, we're hopping out of the gate. And it's interesting. I, I am not a Chinese uh, astrologer, but... The Asian calendar is is very, as with all schools of metaphysics, very interesting to dive into. And I especially love the story of how the Chinese signs were forged and the animals were making their way to this point on the earth and who was going to be first. And the rabbit, of course, was super confident that the hare was going to win the race and took a nap and ended up losing that first place in, in line as a result. Now, with this year of the water rabbit, water, the, the signs as they move through the zodiacal calendar have all been in the same element. So this watery energy 
that we've been in, which is so interesting from a Western perspective, is Neptune is in the sign of Pisces at the last decan of it. So we've been getting these huge lessons of dissolving and structures just sort of our planet, as Susie said, with the climate, uh, water encroaching and claiming back as we resist the natural progression of where the earth may go and shift in this time of climate changing, but also the big changes that are shifting. And we are leaving years where we have been through huge planetary uh, geometric symbols that let us know of all the, the frustrations and catalysts and impasses that we were passing as we moved to this highly transitory energy. And 2023 is, it's a relief from that. But for those people who really are holding on to that separate camp mentality, it may feel like the the earth is moving under their feet and in a way it is uh, i mean not only physically but to hold old paradigms just cannot work it is unsustainable and the climate changings are they're basically a mirror of what's also occurring in human evolution and also how the planet itself and in our uh, biodiverse world is evolving. So 2023, actually, it is lucky for those who have the energy and adaptability to hop to the most desirable ground or space. We, we can't be stagnant this year. We may wish to be, but it is a year that's about moving. Our, our luck, our opportunity is in our ability to cross the threshold, recognize the, the carrot in the grass, uh, see something that's going to give us a new opportunity and huge, which I find fascinating after these more insular years of the pandemic, rabbit years are about interfacing, networking, connections. And so even for those of us who don't move around very much on the planet or in different circles or travel, uh, that movement may occur just within the people in a smaller community, but also digitally, the internet ways that we reach out and connect. And this also is going through huge changes now because as we've witnessed with uh, Musk's takeover of Twitter, but also a lot of questions about um, adult supervision or accountability with what children are doing on TikTok and various platforms. There's, uh, there's a, 
the Wild West way of the internet running around is not necessarily going to be constricted, but how is there some sort of order in the chaos? And we are all going to decide what that looks like. It's not going to be one person or one entity. And those of you who have listened to me for a while know I've been saying since the second millennium, we are we are moving out. And of course, it takes it takes time. We're in the second decade of the second millennium, which, of course, is a thousand years. <laughs> so we're just really making our way on this new terrain, which is about the vibratory energy of two, very different than the vibratory energy of one, which is what the past millennium was about, where, you know, one leader, one um, one entity, one controlling force, empires, uh, uh, skyscrapers, all this energy that's about one. Now we're in two. We, we must learn collaborative relationships. And, and the rabbit supports that. You know, rabbits multiply. <laughs> they have large communities. They, they don't live forever, nor do they live as though they're going to. And that's fascinating, too, watching the race for unlimited aging and how people with means think about what their time is here and what they're doing with their funds. It's fascinating. The other thing about 2023 is it's a seven year. So when I think of the numerology of years, we we are moving away from a more stasis way of being, which are the even numbers. And we're more in energy that's about shifts. And seven, of course, is a very numinous number because you think of all the the pieces of seven uh, in the Bible, the earth was, everything was made in seven days. People who are aware of Saturn cycles know that there's a seven-year cycle for jobs, for relationships, for evaluating what we're doing in life. Seven is indeed a mystical number. So we're at a point of evaluation, researching, resting somewhat and ass assessing where we're at. Remember the rabbit in this, <laughs> the Chinese calendar decided to take a nap because when you shoot energy out in this kind of adolescent thrust, you have to rest periodically. And I think that that is one of the important pieces coming off the pandemic that will definitely stay with many people, that 24-7 work orientation, always, always on, which certainly people from urban areas were, were very bought into. Now it's more, well, you know, I want my quiet time. I want my home time. It's better 
for my immune system to really value rest and recharging and not, you know, deciding to take a spa day once a month to give myself some recuperation. I mean, that can be fine too, but throughout the course of our day, meditation, rest, reflection, really chewing your food, all these things re-energize and regenerate so that we can really go the distance this year. Now, January has begun with kind of a slow burn. We're feeling this sense of transition. We know that something new is happening. Different governmental bodies, we're seeing that kind of change that's occurring. Uh, Certainly in the United States, there's a a hyper-awareness of how things are going to be and what's it going to look like. And that uh, that plays out in other parts of the world as well. Certainly Brazil, other areas in South America, Peru, what's going on in the Ukraine and Russia, India, all these, all these nations are going through evaluations, whether consciously or not, of how do these structures work and are they able to sustain the people and education, uh, medical, all these things. And that I'll get into more when I'm talking about Pluto and the transition that's making this year. But as we begin this year, Mercury and Mars were retrograde. This forecast will air when Mars has gone direct at January 12th. And I have to say that's also on me because I'm a a person with a strong Mars. And, And people with strong Mars or Scorpio, Aries energy, when Mars is retrograde, it's it's harder for us in general when it's retrograde it's the planet of desire libido putting ourselves forward passion when it's kind of pulled back it's not in its happy place and this has been particularly challenging for a lot of people because it's been in the sign of gemini while mercury also has been retrograde so mercury retrograde a lot of people know about communications uh, appointments there's that kind of mixed signal energy that happens. And that's that's been feeling bigger at the beginning of 2023. And Mercury is in the sign of Capricorn as it's moving in this retrograde motion. All the retrogrades this year of Mercury will be in Earth signs, which usually happens that there is an elemental theme when Mercury's retrograde because of how it its orbit happens. It kind of happens in those in the elemental constancy. So Mercury in an Earth sign is a slower movement for that planet. It tends to be very tactile. And as a result, things have been getting to a slow start, taking longer than one would have thought they would have. Once Mars goes direct, it's going to book along. And to give you a reference point, it began the retrograde at the end of October and finally clears the shadow. So that's when it backtracks over the Gemini it had retrograded from March 15th. 
So some of us, especially if you have a position or a point on your horoscope at 25 Gemini, you're going to notice as of mid-March, oh, you know, things are really starting to percolate and move along with a lot more action and uh, communication and such. So if you're waiting or feeling a delay on something that you expected to come through, written word, acceptance, a an acknowledgement, a connection, those things are, are really going to start to pop out as we get into the next couple of months. And Mercury in Capricorn, which is retrograde as I'm speaking, it goes direct on January 18th. And so end of January, February, and especially when we get to that mid-March point, a lot of stuff starts to really move much more assertively, aggressively, decisively. And especially if this has been affecting you these retrogrades that I'm talking about. The other thing that happens in January is that Uranus goes direct on January 22nd. Uranus is the planet of change, revolution, freedom. It's been in the sign of Taurus for quite some time. So it's one of the indicators of the up and down and sideways things that are going on with the stock market for people who keep referencing that. Because when Uranus is in the sign of Taurus, the ways that people invest or the the sort of rock solid sense of how it's going to move is not what we think. Uh, And uh, I, I think that it's going to continue to show that The other thing that's interesting when it goes direct at 14, uh, Taurus 56, that's right on the world axis of uh, a 15 degrees fixed sign. So I, I expect when Uranus goes direct or retrograde, we often see some sort of um, event that draws our attention. You know, hopefully it won't be a, Uh, an earthquake or tsunami or some sort of world event, but it could also be something that happens that calls everybody's attention to that place in the world based on this, this shift that's occurring. So just be aware of that. If you have a planet that's at 15 degrees fixed sign, Aquarius, Leo, um, Taurus or um, Scorpio, you may be feeling this very personally. So it may be that something just pops into consciousness. It can be like that. It can be an epiphany. It can be a, it's unexpected. So Uranus is the hardest planet to predict. I can usually kind of get a rough idea if I'm looking at somebody's exact horoscope. But by its nature, it's a surprise. So I myself am kind of wondering, what's that going to mean for me? Because I do have a point that's going to be activated then. And, you know, my brain is kind of thinking, well, it could be that or it could be that. <laughs> so we'll see. Just for information, the lunar cycle on in January, the full moon happens on the 6th at 16 degrees Cancer 21, and the new moon occurs on January 21st at 1 degree Aquarius 32. 
So again, if you listen regularly, you know lunar cycles are really important for getting an edge on a new start or a launch or something like that and when to finish up. And if you want more reference from that for that, go to my website, uh, insightoasis.com. And in the search button, put new moon or lunar cycle. It'll pull up my information on what to do when the moon is new to take best advantage of the opportunity. And the Chinese New Year of the Water Rabbit officially kicks off on January 22nd. It's always around the new moon. So the new moon, as I said, is on the 21st. And these dates I give of lunar cycle or different shifts are always going to be affected by where you are on the earth. Because as I'm doing, whether it's our weekly podcast or this, I tend to work on Eastern time. And so you you know, it can be if I'm telling you the Chinese New Year begins on January 2nd, 22nd, it may well be that another place on the planet, it's a little before, a little after. So if you care about the exactness of it, which I don't think matters as much for the onset of the Chinese New Year, but it certainly would matter if you're paying attention to when that new moon begins, um, then you're going to want to do that calculation of what Eastern time is in relation to where you live in London or uh, Hawaii or wherever you might be. So once that happens with that water rabbit, Mercury and Mars are already in direct motion. So for some of us, it may, we may be witnessing sudden leaps towards the end of January. Something really starts to move and shift, which can be very exciting depending on what it is you're wanting to make happen or bring into your world. Now, February. February is kind of, I, I see it as a kind of chill month, <laughs> literally. <laughs> If you're in the northern hemisphere, but uh, it, it's it doesn't have a lot of planetary activity. So I'll just mention the full moon occurs on February 5th at 16 Leo 40. And the new moon is on February 20th at one degree Pisces, 22 minutes. So when I give you the exact point where uh, the moon is when it's new that's really helpful to look at on your personal horoscope where is that one degree pisces and change falling on your personal horoscope what what house is it in what area of life is it igniting and it can be subtle or it can be very exact and specific and depending on that, can help you fuel or understand what might be the best thing to focus on this particular lunar month. So March 7th, now we're in March, Saturn enters Pisces. So this is, this is kind of a big deal. Saturn changes sign 
roughly every two and a half, three years. And whatever sign it's in, it has been in the sign of Aquarius. And before that, it was in the sign of Capricorn. So basically, we've had um, we've had roughly five, six years of Saturn being in signs that it's in total alignment with Saturn and Capricorn, Saturn and Aquarius. And that has been another reason why the past several years have been so chilling or difficult or strident for a lot of people because that coupled with what was going on with Pluto and Uranus and Saturn and uh, Pluto has been indicating a lot of structural changes that need to happen. So once Saturn moves into Pisces, the best, I mean, the, the classic metaphor is we, you've got this amazing sandcastle on the beach and the wave comes up and starts to wash it away. So what's really interesting when the planet that has to do with structure and responsibility and commitment and boundaries, when that goes into the 12th sign of the zodiac, we're at a point of endings. We are, Pisces is the sign that basically stands on the threshold of the reality we create and the other planes of reality or, you know, whatever is not what we can actually touch and feel with our, our hands and see with our eyes. It's, it takes us to a place that I, I think one of the things that's going to be interesting is Saturn moves in Pisces over the next few years will be the, the whole structuring of a place like the United States, which one of the examples that I would foresee is as these old paradigms dissolve and the longing for greater spiritual connection occurs is things like, for instance, again, I know people listen from other parts of the world, but uh, in the United States, when the United States was forged, there was separation between church and state. Now, of course, we're going through a Pluto return with that onset of the United States government. So there are reevaluations of what that looks like. And during the Cold War, there was this whole creation of In God We Trust to separate the United States conceptually from a country like Russia, communism or China. And with that surge of focus, has created a, another element which was never what was originally intended for the United States, where there's an emphasis or a reverence in certain values of certain religion. It will be interesting to observe as Saturn moves through Pisces 
how these structures or symbols, how they might get reevaluated or reconstructed. Now, of course, there can also be this kind of false gods thing, like celebrities and raising up certain people or ideas as being the ones that will hold. But by its nature, Saturn and Pisces is it's it dissolves, it takes away anything that cannot hold as we move into the next Saturn cycle where Saturn will enter Aries and we are building on concepts and ideals. So it's very important where we put our energy over the next couple of years to really voice and give credence for what we really believe in, in spiritual connection. It can be a very rich time for art exploration, music, ways that we craft and connect that are not just verbal. If you know your personal horoscope, and I would hope people who listen regularly have an idea of where it goes. So where is Saturn moving from leaving the passage of Capricorn, Aquarius, and entering into Pisces? Because once it enters Pisces, it's going to work on dissolving off anything that doesn't have integrity or structural commitment to go the distance. It's important to recognize that you can build in this energetically, but it has to be with alignment of something greater or bigger than just the illusion of what's real if that makes sense. The full moon in March occurs on the 7th, and that's at 16 Virgo, 40 minutes. And the new moon is March 21st, zero Aries, 49. Now, the other thing I wanted to mention about that point in time is March 20th is the spring equinox. And it happens right before that new moon on the 21st. When we have something that's a really big energy initiator, which is what the spring equinox is, it's basically from an astrological perspective, it is the new year. It's when we are building and creating the and really in the fire of the energy of the new year, because Aries is the first sign of the zodiac yet it's coming in that sun and aries comes in at the dark of moon when the moon is in the sign of pisces and it's we're in this kind of finishing up period before we move into and i think one thing that this spring equinox really points out to me is that if there's anything that you're feeling that has to do with anger or grievance or being thwarted, uh, it's really important to observe it 
at this point in time. Observe it and recognize how much power do I give this? Do I do I tell myself this the story? Or am I going to recognize that there is potential for something else to be? And so whatever the anger, the grievance, the the loss, the the peace that might make you feel thwarted, just observe, is that something that I, you, I can, can entertain the idea that it doesn't have to be that way, even though everything seems to indicate that's the way it is. But when we allow ourselves the possibility that things could look differently, then we turn it over from the limits of our conceptual mind to a higher power agency that can let something new come in. But it can only happen when we really let go of attachment to whatever the older story is. And so this is a perfect time to do that if what I'm saying resonates or makes any sense to you. Because once the new moon comes in on the 21st, then we're in this energy that is creative, expansive, and not necessarily easy, but it certainly can accelerate whatever it was that we thought couldn't move. On March 23rd, Pluto steps into Aquarius. Now, if you've been looking at stuff on the internet or hearing about it, there's a lot of buzz about Pluto going into Aquarius. Really? Wow. Dreaming big, conversations with extraterrestrials, borders, opening up technology, making lives so much easier and amazing, robots in the home, like eradicating any need or desire to enslave or limit people's quality of life. Some of the predictions are are fabulous. I'm not saying any of that's impossible. I know that Pluto transforms. When Pluto goes through a sign, it transforms things. So we're at the tail end of Pluto in Capricorn, and we will be entering Pluto in Aquarius, then it'll retrograde and go back into Capricorn. But we are certainly on the threshold of that brave new world. And how wonderful it looks is going to have everything to do with people's willingness to sign up for those changes and transformations and evolutions, but also to be very aware that Aquarius is, I mean, it's a wonderful sign and energy But it also can be very, very didactic, very sure that its way is the pure and only way. So that utopian 
desire needs to consider everyone at the table. When Aquarius and Pluto are connected as of late March, I'd say, yes, absolutely. Dream big. Think in terms of what the world would look like if all people, as the Buddhist prayer goes, you know, all people are happy or fed and and all those other things. But that requires a lack of attachment to all the old stories. So I think looking at how Pluto and Capricorn has brought to light how money and power uh, has corrupted the ideal concept of, for instance, the United States democracy, or how it has institutions that become so entrenched or brittle that they don't allow new ideas in. And we see that in universities, which are so astronomically expensive that the value of a college education doesn't make sense anymore for certain professions or where people might go. And so basically, because of the need to deify or create such strong institutions of education, it destroyed what conceptually it should have been about, which was educating and helping everyone evolve into a better life. And healthcare, that's another institution. While Pluto's been in Capricorn, we see all the damages that having healthcare also be money-making has created. Since Pluto is about irrevocable transformation and death, to me, it's been a hellish period of time, 2008, on how the United States, the obliviousness of the cost of deification of firearms has decimated the economy because the U.S. healthcare system is continually paying and supporting the damage and the cost of so many maimed lives through firearms. Tobacco used to be the big bugaboo. It's firearms. So um, Pluto will transition into Aquarius and we will hear much more from collective voices for uh, a sense of how we work together as communities, as societies, and we can really steer the course into this brave, wonderful new world. But we have to regain that sense of who's, who's controlling where we go. And part of the lesson Pluto's always about is that we are not the ones in total control. But when collectively we work together and we conceptualize and intend on positive goals, we can get out of our way and make all that happen. So moving into April, on the 6th, the full moon is 16 degrees Libra, 7 minutes, 
And the new moon is also the April 20th solar eclipse. This is at 29 Aries 50 minutes. This is a big deal. This is a critical degree. It's a part of the Saros cycle eclipses. These cycles of eclipses happen every 18, 19 years. So the last time this one happened was 2005. When I give you these dates of the eclipses, some of you may be like, oh my God, 2005. Others, nothing's occurring. But what happens with this eclipse and when you know where it falls in your horoscope, it's going to stir, ignite deep-rooted passion. And for some of us, it can feel like a runaway train. And for others, it can feel like, whoa, this is what I've been needing to jumpstart so I can direct. Just pay attention if you feel swept away around this point in time, you you want to be aware of where you're going in this fast-moving energy. Mercury goes retrograde on May 15th and in the sign of Taurus, and it's retrograde until the 21st of April. So in May, we've got May 1st, Pluto goes retrograde at zero degrees Aquarius, 21 minutes. So we will go through that last phase reevaluation time as Pluto makes its way back into Capricorn. It's going to be really interesting to see what happened. I mean, one thing I remember vividly about Pluto and Sagittarius, Sagittarius uh, being among other things about legal systems, When Pluto entered Sagittarius, it was the whole O.J. Simpson thing with, um, you know, did he or did he not murder his wife? And that, of course, brought up all kinds of questions in our legal system and also touching on belief systems, people's beliefs and what they felt in allegiance to. The end of Pluto and Sagittarius, O.J. Simpson was arrested for breaking in and trying to kidnap someone for some old grievance. So when Pluto went into Capricorn, Capricorn being about institutions, money, power, structures, how we do business, 2008, that was a bad time for stocks, investments, real estate, mortgages, total bottoming out. A lot of people lost a lot of money, jobs, economy went into chaos. So as we're at the end of Pluto and Capricorn, what are we going to see? I think part of what we're going to see is a reckoning because when you have, you know, if the Pluto and Sag was any lesson, and there were a lot of other things, I mean, uh, not just to point O.J. Simpson as being the the story of Pluto and Sag. But I bring it up because in the case of Pluto and Capricorn, it's going to be something about financial structures undergoing a reckoning, a revelation, a slap on the hand. No, you cannot do it this way anymore. And as we know, With all the bank bailout, a lot of things are just running along as they always did. I expect financial reckoning in this year to happen for not everybody, but there will be be some sort of story 
that we see that is quite revelatory in this as a cautionary tale and a reminder about how certain systems must change. May 5th is the lunar eclipse at 14 Scorpio 58. That particular eclipse, among other things, indicates a collective need can promote unity. So that really dovetails nicely with as Pluto is entering Aquarius. What are we looking at as collective needs to recognize how can we unify to create systems that work better. Jupiter enters Taurus on May 16th. So it leaves the sign of Aries where it's been booking along now and creating senses of optimism. Some people may be spending more than they could or should. Once it enters Taurus, then we are in a increase of things that have real intrinsic value. So uh, there should be a stabilization of what what's going on with the real estate market commodities that are actually something of value to say that other commodities aren't but when in Taurus it's going to be okay what is this thing or how does this show value by its three-dimensional form? That's why real estate is um, something that usually benefits when Jupiter enters Taurus. But I think another piece is because of the growing climate awareness, it's important to value our resource and remember your physical connection to Earth. And I, years ago... I had a store that sold metaphysical products, and one of the things was crystals, minerals. And I got to a crisis of faith with it, quite honestly, because I, I, I kept thinking, I don't know that I want to be part of supporting mining into the earth to pull out these pieces of energy that belong in Gaia, in Mother Earth. What can I say? I still love crystals, but I it, it, was, it was definitely one of the pieces of why I thought, I, I don't think I want to do this anymore. The new moon happens on May 19th, and it's at 28 Taurus, 25 minutes. The full moon occurs on June 4th, 13 degrees Sagittarius, 18 minutes. And the new moon occurs on June 18th at 26 Gemini, 43 minutes. And Pluto slips back into Capricorn as of June 11th. And we will receive more messages on what outworn institutions must go. I would say that the voices of youth continue to gather strength at the summer solstice very nicely aspected for appreciating and, and, and listening to the voices of you. Their perspective, I'm talking about the millennials, Gen Zs, their perspective is challenging the status quo. So that is going to enter stronger and stronger as Pluto gets into Aquarius. But this is, as it's doing its last pass through Capricorn, this is where we start to notice the, the friction. Saturn goes retrograde at seven degrees Pisces on June 17th. 
It will not go back into the sign of Aquarius, though. Saturn is firmly in the sign of Pisces. So this retrograde will, again, be a little backwalk. And that coupled with the Pluto tracking back into Capricorn is going to continue to show us what is eroding, dissolving, cannot, cannot maintain or sustain as we go into these bigger shifts. Now, Venus is going to go retrograde in a couple of weeks, and we enter what some people call the shadow or the storm on June 19th. And that means that that is the degree that Venus will retrograde to, and that is 12 Leo for those of you who have that as being a point on your horoscope. Neptune goes retrograde at 27 Pisces, 41 minutes on June 30th. And Neptune retrograde just means that we are even deeper into the netherworld. Um, If you're undergoing a Neptune transit, when it's retrograde, things become even less clear and more confused. On the other hand, it can be really fabulous for uh, creative creativity and entering into the dream realm. So depending on what's going on with you, it can be a plus or it can be what the hell is going on. So once again, if you know where that falls in your horoscope, it gives you greater insight as to what that is is meaning or reflecting for you personally. In July, the full moon is on the 3rd. It's at 11 Capricorn, 18 minutes. And the new moon is July 17th at 24 Cancer, 56 minutes. The other thing that happens in July is the nodal axis uh, slips into Aries Libra. It has been in Taurus Scorpio. So when that shifts, then we are, again, this is a little more esoteric depending on how well you know your horoscope, but energetically, we're more in a place globally of uh, new starts and diplomatic connections. It can also be open enemies, uh, but it's we get into more, uh, it's cardinal, so we get more into let's stop holding on so entrenched to these old concepts. And you probably are hearing this as I keep predicting this year, that it's really so much about moving from putting to rest, recycling, composting, Things that have outworn their use, that's where we're at. And just to, uh, just to perpetuate a, a routine or a grievance or a, a feud or a stance, because that's what we've always done, just doesn't hold as we get deeper into 2023. So Venus goes retrograde on July 22nd at 27 Leo, 36 minutes. And when Venus is retrograde, you want to reevaluate any impulse you might have for an extravagant purchase. It's better not to do it. 
Uh, some of us will have to buy something because something is broken and we need to buy it. But otherwise, it's it's a much better time to just sort of stay within the realm of purchases on what you need as opposed to what you want. And also recognize that when Venus is retrograde, sometimes what attracts us is not something we're going to want or like once Venus goes direct. It can be a really good time to kind of decide, start a house makeover or something, you know, kitchen makeover, something that you've been planning to do. It can be very good for that. It can also be very good for finding uh, finding buys in a resale shop or a thrift shop or antique shop. Um, but it's overall when Venus is retrograde, it's we don't want to buy new expensive things. Um, some people say, oh, it's not a good time to have your hair done or colored. I think it depends, you know, if you're if you're working with someone who's worked with you before, I don't think you're going to be in for any surprises. Um, what does happen to some of us when Venus is retrograde, and again, this can mirror in your personal horoscope, is an old friend or lover resurfaces. Now, that person won't necessarily stay around. There would have to be more glue that would hold it together. But it can happen. Also, for some of us, it could just be in a dream, you know, where somebody enters your mind who you haven't thought about in 20 years. And there's a symbolic or there's a reason why that's coming up for you. And its reflection is always valuable when we're undergoing a retrograde transit, regardless of the planetary energy. So the full moon on August 1st is at 9 Aquarius 15. Uh, The new moon is on August 16th at 23 Leo, 17 minutes. And this is the month when we have that once in a blue moon, two full moons, because there's always one month when we have it because it's a 13 month lunar cycle. So the full moon happens again on uh, August 31st at seven degrees Pisces, 25 minutes. And the thing about August is that there's there's been so much there's so much going on. I mean, Venus is retrograde. Pluto is making its last pass again through Capricorn. Saturn is retrograde. I would say keep it simple, like just work within whatever your structures or things are that you want to follow through with. And Remember to play. I mean, that rabbit wants to bounce around, regenerate, make new connections. And August is a perfect month to do it. Mercury goes retrograde in the sign of Virgo uh, August 25th and stays retrograde until September 15th. And Uranus goes retrograde at 23 degrees Taurus, four minutes. Um 
And that happens on August 29th. So remember, and it's also in the waxing moon cycle as we're building towards that full moon. So remember what I said when Uranus changes directions, I talked a bit about when it was going direct, now it's going retrograde. It, it, I mean, I suppose it does matter if it's retrograde or direct, but basically from our perspective, it's doing what we call stationing. It's kind of frozen in place. And Uranus has this strobe-like energy about it anyway, strobe and light. And so it's a, it's a flash. It, it, it kind of brings our attention to something. So once again, this could be something throughout the world, uh, an event, uh, something that happens, or it may be just something that, and or it may be something that you're experiencing personally or someone you know is. The new moon happens on September 15th at 21 Virgo, 58 minutes. And the full moon occurs on September 29th at 6 Aries, 0 minutes. Venus goes direct at 12 Leo, 12 minutes on September 3rd. The other thing that happens is Jupiter goes retrograde in the sign of Taurus on September 4th until December 31st. Now, the thing to be aware of here is on one hand, Venus is going direct. And so that should bring in a sense of optimism about money or, or love. And But Jupiter is going retrograde. And when Jupiter is retrograde, people hold money or investments closer, closer to the chest. So I would say overall a frugal and strategic orientation in September will only increase in emphasis as we get to the autumn equinox because there'll be a sense of um, what do I want to invest in? And so when Jupiter's retrograde, we can be thinking more long, the long game than the fast spend. Venus leaves that shadow on October 7th. And that's when, again, we may feel renewed optimism, but we're not gonna like go wild with spending. I mean, the holiday season can certainly be a good one for people who sell things or need to do that kind of thing. But, um, but people are going to be cautious with uh, any big purchases or investments. It's just the way it goes when Jupiter's retrograde. The October 14th new moon is a solar eclipse at 21 Libra 17, and that ignites desire and anger. It also mirrors back to 2005. So it, it can really speak about what is it that I'm starting new, but you want to be in control of that anger, which Susie and I talk about periodically, about how anger can be fuel, and it's so important to understand and transmute it, see where it's coming from. And the pace is quickening. We are moving much faster. 
Um, there's a, a lunar eclipse full moon that happens October 28th at five degrees, Taurus nine minutes. And it will remind us if we miscalculate that haste does indeed make waste. So if you're feeling that influx of energy, uh, again, be strategic in especially anything that's an investment. So November is an interesting month because we can really get more into whatever we're feeling committed to or responsible to. Uh, and that one reason is because Saturn goes direct uh, on November 4th at zero degrees Pisces, 30 minutes. So now we are firmly in that Saturn and Pisces pushing us to whatever that goal is through the next two and a half years or so. The new moon is on November 13th at 20 Scorpio, 43 minutes. And the full moon, November 27th, four degrees Gemini, 51 minutes. Into December, the new moon happens on the 12th at 20 Sagittarius, 40 minutes. And the full moon is on the 27th at four degrees cancer, 58 minutes. And I know it's holiday, and but I'm seeing that there's the, the mode will be more for quieter ga gatherings than full-blown out events. Of course, Times Square will still be Times Square, I'm sure, but um, the the overall sense of where people are at is let's have it be more quality intimacy than, you know, over the top glam. Mercury goes retrograde December 13th through uh, next year, uh, January 2nd, 2024. And Neptune goes direct at 24 Pisces, 53 minutes on December 6th. So Neptune direct basically can just mean the the defroster is working more in your sense of what's ahead and but you still are probably driving through uh mist and some things are not as clear as we might like. Uh, the winter solstice this year is very auspicious, especially for those who are ready to slough off the past and start anew. So Susie, how you doing there? Okay, it sounds like it might be a year of growth. <laughs> yes, I, I, I hope so. That's I hope what so I'm cool. going for. That's what I'm going to go for. Growth, growth, hope and growth. And um, keeping our, our mind and our hearts open to the highest level of change, both personally and globally. So shall we jump into our wonderful 10-minute little meditation? Yes, please. Finish off. And thank you so much, Pam. That's, I know that's a huge amount of work and and thank you so much for the forecast for the year i hope people were busy taking notes as i was and of course don't don't forget that every single week pam goes for 20 minutes sometimes half an hour into great detail <laughs> for every 
single day of the year, like really every single day of the year, Pam talks about like the overview. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you can plan your week and you can know what you can be doing and what to look out for. And then we always come in with our meditation at the end. So, folks, please join us every week. We look forward to um, being here for you and helping to navigate our cosmic journey here on planet Earth. Okay, I'm going to jump into the meditation and I invite everyone just to take 10 little minutes just to sit nice and quietly and just feel your body coming to stillness. Take a few deeper breaths and arrive. And because we're doing this little 10-minute meditation for the actual year, we can also put some prayers, some intentions, perhaps something to help motivate us. Uh, As Pam mentioned, we can stick a couple of carrots in front of us now in this year of the rabbit, and we're going to hop to it. Just feel yourself arriving, fully present, fully aware, and Let's place the motivation that we be here, that we really be present in the moment, in all of the moments, that we be present for the highest good of ourself and the highest good of all, all of the creatures, the beings, the atoms, everything on earth, everything in our cosmos, everything in our boundless universe, that we really wish and pray for the highest good of all beings, for the highest good of all of the water, all of the mountains, all of the creatures, everything and that we recognize the deep interconnectedness of everything, that we are deeply connected to each other. We are deeply connected to our earth, and we are deeply connected within our universe. And let us remember this every day this year when we are perhaps being triggered or invited into some kind of dilemma or trauma, when we feel that we're being pulled in the direction of judgment or anger or isolation or separation when sometimes we can feel that our our morals or our ethics or our sense of justice or our sense of this is right or this is wrong just becomes so strong that we forget that it overrides our connections, it overrides our interconnectedness, it overrides 
our love. Remember this. Remember that we are all connected. And that we all vibrate with love. Keep, keep coming back to this, even when it's extremely difficult. Keep coming back to this. Keep feeding ourselves. Keep nourishing ourselves with all of the goodness of life. Always focusing back on that which nourishes life. And when we self feel ourselves being pulled, pulled, pulled away into anger or sadness or dissatisfaction, pull up those bootstraps and say, this is the time to grow. We are here now as spiritual beings. We are ready to grow. And as we meditate now, as we contemplate, contemplate on your own personal growth. Just notice in which directions you can grow. Perhaps this way, perhaps that way. See the potential and really feel the potential. And if you are stuck, seek advice, seek help. Find that tree in the forest, that person that can help you, that dog perhaps that you walk with. Seek out the help that brings you back into a state of flow, into a state of movement. As we meditate, as we contemplate now, feel the energy in the heart centre that this is an unlimited amount of energy within you. It doesn't come in a box or in a can that has a particular number of ounces. It is unlimited. It comes from everywhere and nowhere. And it bursts out of you. It is unlimited love, loving kindness and compassion. And feel that now that you can, this year, you can spread more of that, reaching out to more people, helping others find stability in the simplicity of life, helping others find joy, helping others feel that they are important, helping others experience love. Feel that selflessness within you now that is here to share here to help, here to grow. 
Again, concentrating, feeling all of that energy in the heart center. Allow it now to just come out of you through your mouth, through every pore of your skin, through your thoughts, through your words, through your actions. Allow it to come out of you and just visualize it like a giant rainbow coming out of you. Reaching out now to all of the people of the planet, to everybody everywhere, no matter where they are, no matter what they're doing, no matter what they have done and no matter what they will do in the future. Feel that rainbow of love coming out from you. Send it to all of the creatures on our planet. Send it to all of the mountains, all of the rivers, all of the oceans, all of the deserts, everything, everywhere. Send it out to all of the landscapes of our earth. Send it up into the air, into the atmosphere. Send it down into the earth underground. Send it beyond our planet in all directions to the infinite universe. Unconditional love, unconditional understanding, unconditional compassion, loving kindness emanating from you. And with it, send the message of peace. May all beings know peace. May all beings be free of suffering. May all beings be full of unconditional love. And gently allow yourself just to take a few deeper breaths. And perhaps this is something that we can do every single day this year is sending out from deep within ourselves, from our heart centers, from you, from me, sending out unconditional love. As we take a few deeper breaths, gently opening our eyes, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Pam. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. May this be a year of peace, of unconditional love for all beings everywhere. Thank you so much. Love now. You have been listening to Susie Mazzoli and Pamela Cuccinelle of activespirituality.life. If you've enjoyed this program, consider a donation. You can find the link for that, activespirituality.life. Regardless, we look forward to having you join us again for next week's podcast. Please share and have a great week.